Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Rob Woodbridge and Asif Khan. It is time for This Week in Location-Based Marketing. This is episode number 193. We're recording this live Friday afternoon. That's August 1st, 2014. My name is Rob Woodbridge from Untether.tv, located in the heart of the universe, also known as Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. And with me, as usual, my compadre, the Lord of Location, the man who has been with me 193 consecutive weeks. I'm thinking about getting a new co-host, though, you know? It's just been too long. <laughs> Jokes, I'll be the first to go. But with me, as always... All right, it's Asif Khan uh, from the Location-Based Marketing Association in Toronto, ready to rock another episode. Asif, what do you really know about location? Come on, really. Between the two of us, come on. Like, who, uh, come on. One or two you things. One or two things. That's it. Asif carries me like there's no tomorrow. That's it. I'm just here for the humor, and I'm not very good at that, to boot. No, he's, he's really good at that. <laughs> he's really good. That's right. It's so, it's so true. <laughs> As is evidenced by every show, I get better and better at being yep. funny. How was your uh, little uh, sojourn down to uh, Chicago? What a great city. I love Chicago. I love Chicago, especially in the summer. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, it was great. Uh, good conference, a mobile media summit. Um, you know, from my perspective, amazing because uh, I think almost every session of the entire day long conference had discussion about location based marketing or location targeting or hyper local something. Uh, so it couldn't have been a better place for me to be. And a lot of our members were there, a lot of our uh, uh, LBMA members were there. So good conference. Uh, you know, a lot of agency folks as well. So uh, good turnout, well done uh, by the Mobile Media Summit people, Paran and his team. And uh, yeah. A quick trip in and out, and uh, now I'm, I'm fully focused on uh, Retail Loco. Retail Loco. But isn't it funny that, that uh, we were saying this before we started recording, that this was a mobile conference and all they talked about was location. Not funny. It just, tell, just tells you how important it is. I mean, it's on, it's on everybody's mind right now. Uh, every agency, every brand is trying to figure it out. And, uh, you know, it's... Um, you know, yeah, it, it that, that's be. why we're here. That's why people are uh, are jumping all over the LBMA and, and trying to, uh, you know, stay on top of what, what's going on. That's why people watch this show. My goodness, and a lot of people do. What's going on? But you know, it used to be that this was mobile, right? And everything would revolve around mobile. And then Asif came along with the Location Based Marketing Association, and then now this has transitioned from mobile into location, and everything revolves around location because there's so much you don't understand the implication. Maybe you do because you've been listening to this for so long. You've been hearing us chirp and chirp and chirp about this. Is that you, the the location is the context for everything else that you do, and it's not just about re driving things to your device. It's about driving things through SMS, through in-app uh, notifications, through the web, through everything, through the air, by drones, all based on location. Location is at the center of this universe, which would make it square squarely here in Ottawa, right? As I said. We are. Something like that. Something yeah. like that. Something like that. Oh, yeah. Well, we have a great show, Asif. Uh -huh. A great, 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 great show. What's going on? Uh, so you're focused on Retail Loco right now. Is there anything else between now and Of course there is. There's like 500 things you got to do before. There, there's always stuff going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Retail Loco is kind of the, our, our big conference in the fall, October 22nd in, in Chicago again. Uh, and uh, we're excited about that. It, it's, uh, it's our premier event. Uh, you know, we have a few hundred people there. A lot of brands already committed to speaking at it, so that's what I'm most excited about. You know, actually hearing from the brands themselves what they're doing in location, what they want to do, how they're evaluating solutions. You know, we've got uh, commitments, speaker commitments from Lord and Taylor, TGI Fridays, Redbox, Pepsi, 
uh, Crate and Barrel, Sears. I mean, like all these are just speakers I'm talking about. Like, so it, it's going to be exciting. Um, and uh, yeah, I can't I can't wait for that. But between now and then, yeah, there's plenty plenty going on. Uh, let's see here. We've got um, well, I don't know what it is about Chicago. Chicago's just it's happening <laughs> in the summer. So the Chicago chapter itself has an event on August the 18th. Uh, and that's kind of looking at uh, the privacy issues around location. And the keynote speaker is Jules uh, Polanski, uh, who's the uh, creator of the Future Privacy Forum out of D.C. So he's coming in to, uh, to lead that. That's a joint event that we're doing, the LBMA and uh, the Heartland Mobile Council, uh, which is uh, a group that operates in, in Chicago. Uh, and then uh, the following um, we actually the same week, just following that, later in the week, I'll be out in Whistler. Uh, for the Grow Conference, and this is like one of the biggest events that happens in Canada every year around startups and innovation and venture capital, um, and a lot of stuff. A lot of discussion this year, from what I can see on the agenda, is going to be about wearables and location uh, and and stuff like that. I'm doing a panel with your good buddy uh, uh, Brian over at Keep, uh, along Brian with Juan and Ba yeah. from Mondelez. Uh, so the three of us are going to have a great discussion. Excited about that. Um, and, and plenty of amazing spe speakers there. Uh, Dan Martell, a good buddy of mine, uh, will be will be speaking there. Uh, the founder of Jawbone, um, you know, tons of VCs, uh, you know, GoPro. I mean, like all these guys are going to be there. It's going to be crazy. So that's the uh, the nineteenth, or I guess the twentieth to the uh, to the twenty second of August uh, in Whistler. Hmm. See, this is the face of envy. I'm sure you can feel it if you're listening to this podcast, you're not watching it. This is the face of envy. Um, I have a huge, uh, it's not a man crush, but I really like what Brian's doing with Keep. I, I just have a, uh, you know, he's a Canadian too, which makes it even better, right? We're everywhere yeah. as Canadians. Yeah, pretty much everybody involved in this concert, conference is either Canadian. Or wants or to be one. Ex-Canadian -Cana ex or they want to be a Canadian. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. We are powerful people. Trust me. I'm doing a series with the Digital Moose Lounge on uh, Canadians in the United States, in Silicon Valley in particular, and there are some insane Canadians. Did you know the CFO is a Canadian? CFO of Google, which makes him kind of like the vice president of the internet, right? I, I like it. Yeah. Well, and what does uh, Lord & Taylor know anything about? Back to the conference, what does Lord & Taylor know anything about, uh, about location and marketing and mobile and all that stuff, eh? Those guys don't know anything. Until we tell you what the first story is, and we'll get to that in a second. We got our yeah. 10 stories, and one of them actually involves Lord & Taylor, which is speaking at uh, Retail Loco. Um, we've got a great guest in Debbie Kitterer, uh, who's the co-founder and chief strategy officer of a company called LiveLux out of New York City. I got a great resource of the week. Obviously, uh, Asif has scoured the internets for you so that you don't have to. It's the uh, low energy Bluetooth versus NFC infographic which uh, should be very interesting. You can probably download that before you get to the end of this episode. And of course, we've got our three deep dive conversations, which we are going to be talking about some of the key trends that we're going to be pulling out of these to our top 10 stories. I don't see any reason, though, to hold off on diving into the top 10. Do you, Asif? Are you ready to do this? No. So let's, let's break it down. All right. Enough for the humor. On to the news, shall we? I wish we had a beep, 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 beep. Maybe I'll do that. You sponsor the show, I will get a yes. beep, 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 beep. This is what we do when, when you sponsor the show. We use that money to reinvest and make that show just a little bit better. It's just going to be me few doing beeps beep, beep, and, beep, beep. and whistles and, uh, you know, maybe some animation. I don't know. New introduction, something like that. <laughs> All right, top 10. Here we go. Uh, for those of you who have been hiding under a rock this past week, the great Canadian company, the Hudson's Bay Company, headquartered up here in Canada. 
uh, is announced that they're actually rolling out a huge rollout of beacons. Now they're doing it with uh, some U.S. companies. They're doing it uh, obviously Hudson's Bay up here in Canada, and they're doing it Lord and Taylor down in the United States. Um, and they are actually it is crazy what they're doing. Uh, they operate more than 130 uh, Lord and Taylor and Hudson's Bay department stores across North America, and some of these are now beacon equipped. If you have been on, on my mailing list, you would have seen a very lengthy episode of the Mobile Commerce Minute with Chuck talking about his experience about going into the Lord and Taylor in Boston and some photos that he took about all where all these um, uh, beacons are. It's all powered by Swirl, which is a Boston-based company um, and uh, that he knows quite well. So it's, yeah, I implore you, if you want some more information about it, don't stop listening, but you can go and take a look at the Mobile Commerce Minute from this past Monday. Um, so what, what it does is it actually sends you, as soon as you walk in, it sends you a notification that, hey, welcome. It asks you if you want to opt out of any deals or anything along those lines. And then once you say, no, you don't want to do that, it, depending on what department, this is in the Lord & Taylor in Boston, depending on what department it is, there were five different departments that had five different deals and it would ping on your phone. Um, and it's just exactly what, what Beacons were supposed to do. Chuck said it went so well. It was so flawless. It was amazing by it. Um, the thing is that what's so significant about this story is that they didn't use the Lord & Taylor app. They used all the other apps that they could. And specifically what Chuck used was uh, SnipSnap, which was a coupon app and mm -hmm. it, it, that was integrated with this. And SnipSnap and Lord & Taylor have done some work before together. And this is an interesting play because they're probably going trying to go after new customers without disrupting the existing purchase cycle of customers that are already in there. They don't want to they don't want to confuse anybody. So they're looking for new customers. So in Canada, the Hudson's Bay stores are using the Hudson's Bay gift registry app, uh, which is obviously within the brand. It's a very popular thing in there. Um, and uh, as I said, this is a massive rollout. Uh, very surprising that this is HBC. Will this save HBS, HBC? We are gonna we're gonna be talking about this whole beacon world that we are entering right now. Last week it was sausages. This week it's HBC Lord and Taylor. That's our first story. Big freaking first story. There you go. All right, our second story. Not quite as exciting as Lord and Taylor and HBC, but uh, you know very functional nonetheless. A company called Medialits, uh, which is based in uh, Manhattan. Uh, has launched something called server servo total attribution okay and this is what this is about is helping uh, you know agencies media buyers publishers basically understand you know did the mobile ad that get delivered actually result in traffic you know so the attribution um, being able to measure the effectiveness of that and and obviously these are you know much needed services in the industry today we've talked about some others like this uh, in the past but uh, everybody I mean at, at the mobile media summit this week, in Chicago, I mean, this was one of the hot button issues. You know, what are the metrics uh, that we talked about on my panel? What are the metrics? How do we track attribution? Did the thing work? You know, click throughs and impressions aren't good enough anymore. You know, it's all about location. Ad was delivered here. Did it result in traffic to store there? Um, and that's what, uh, you know, the media lets. Um, servo total attribution platform does they're going up against some stiff op competition uh, guys like double click and, and so on like that are in this space uh, obviously you got uh, new newer guys too, uh, like companies like place IQ and placed and uh, even companies like factual are in this space now so lots of competition but uh, you know it, it's definitely a space that's uh, you know underserved at the moment and uh, you know Glad to see more companies coming into this and, and more people trying to solve the problem. So, Medialets, M E D I A L E T S, Servo Total Attribution. Sweet attribution. I just can't wait till we hear the first company that actually changes their business model to actually attribution, gets paid for when somebody walks in the store, puts the money on the table, so to speak. A little bit of elbow grease. 
All right, a third there story. Speaking about elbow grease, no, it has nothing to do with it. Uh, but this is a, an Instagram story that leaves me totally freaking perplexed. It really does, Asif. And I want to talk about this because I think that Instagram okay. under Facebook is going through an identity crisis. It sounds weird to say that with the number of users there, but they've launched their answer to Snapchat, which I didn't think that they had to, they didn't even have to respond to that. You know what I mean? Like Snapchat is a big platform. You know, Facebook is a big platform. Instagram is a big platform. Why in God's name do they have to respond to Snapchat? They launched this uh, new app called Bolt. Bolt. It allows users to send a picture that is instantly deleted once it is viewed. Like that goes against everything that Instagram is on the planet and what Facebook is. So I, I, I mean, I have a, a you know a, a theoretical issue with this. Anyways, it's currently available in New Zealand, South Africa, and Singapore, but it's likely, they say, to be rolled out across the world soon. And this is on the heels of uh, Facebook's Slingshot uh, launch, which is a number of weeks ago that really fizzled. It didn't do very well in, in Facebook parlance. It did not kill Snapchat. Um, it just kind of validated Snapchat, probably increased Snapchat's valuation. But I just, I, I have a hard time with this. And maybe we can, somebody can enlighten me on why Instagram needs to do this and why Facebook feels that Instagram is the company that this should come through and why not just set up a separate company and do it with that? Because Instagram is not about temporary stuff. It's about permanent permanency and making all photos look great. I just, I have a hard time with this. This is not part of their business. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. So somebody enlighten me, please. Please. All right, well, we'll talk about that on the uh, on the flip side as please. well. Please. Yeah. A little bit. So You'll explain it to me? Uh, you got to talk slow. But I got I got a few thoughts on it. Okay, good. All right, jump at it. That's our third story. Right. Bolt from Instagram. Bolt, if you can, don't download it. It's ridiculous. Get Snapchat. Carry on. <laughs> All right, our fourth story uh, is from Verizon. Now we've talked about Verizon quite a bit in the last, uh, I guess, six months or so on, on the show, um, and uh, they're at it again. Uh, last week they launched something called Smart Rewards. They Which is a loyalty a, program that offers. What's that? They just need. They need a marketing. They need, they need marketing name. help. Like Verizon sucks Verizon's at naming stuff. Smart rewards. I mean, it's simple. Right? So, it's yeah. Anyway, it's, it's a loyalty platform. Uh, they've got a, about a hundred million plus subscribers on the Verizon network, um, and basically, this is uh, you know you can opt in to receive deals and discounts on retail and restaurants and all the usual stuff that we talk about on this. Um, now, what's interesting about this this story is the way you opt in is a little bit different. Okay, so basically, you sign up. You gotta you gotta enroll in something called Verizon Selects, which is uh, another program that that Verizon has that that enables Verizon to track your location, okay, okay. and your internet usage. So this is something they've had for some time. So you must enroll in that first. You can later uh, opt out of that, um, but basically, then you're not qualifying for the rewards program. So basically, it's a value exchange kind of con concept here. Go over here, sign up to uh, you know give us your location data, and let us track you. And in exchange for that, you're part of the uh, the smart rewards program. Now, the rewards are interesting because it's uh, I mean you get bonus rewards for signing up and all that kind of stuff. But it's you know you can get NFL tickets, you can get um, uh, what else did they have here? All all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, it, it's it's really interesting. I mean, you can get obviously discounts on 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 Verizon products and on devices and you know all kinds of interesting things. But I thought it was you know very very different that you had to go somewhere else to sign up for this thing 
to then participate in another program over here and then you could opt out you know on the other side and in one of the articles I read, uh, Jules Polanski, who I referred to earlier from the Future Privacy Forum, he was interviewed saying this is a good thing because uh, he, he's saying they're, they're being very clear and very transparent on how you opt in and how you opt out, and there's no ambiguity on this, um, and, and there's no sort of hiding and trying to fool the customer uh, in terms of what they're doing. Um, so I guess there's two ways to look at this. I think it's complicated, <laughs> it's complicated. as all heck, but... Um, you know, I, I, we're going to see more and more of these types of reward programs. I was in a conversation earlier this week with uh, AT&T, and, um, you know, I, something similar to this, like all I can say is something similar to this will come later this fall. It's called Smart you know, Rewards with a Z instead of an answer. On a much bigger scale from them <laughs> as well. So the carriers are moving in this direction. Uh, there's a lot going on in this space. Um, and you're going to see this this trade. You know, give us your location. And it's not that they don't have the location. It's allow exactly. us to use the location in exchange for uh, you know rewards. The reward had better be my mortgage. That's how valuable yeah. my location is, right? It's just ridiculous. They already know where your location is. They're already using your location. Now they're just telling you very complicated, convoluted process to sign up. It's insane and terrible name. How's that? But go. yeah. I mean, yeah. they, they're definitely going to get into this, but they, they're big companies. They have obviously these, this entire legal department that has to do things by the book, which is appreciated, that's for sure. There you go. All right, our uh, fifth story uh, is about a company called Expiri <laughs> Expiriture, which is a tough thing to say as well. Uh, but Expiriture they, Expiriture, they introduced a branded location-aware mobile app. Um, this is a private label, like a white-labeled mobile app that enables organizations to engage customers with branded experience and reach them with push, me push messaging and content updates that are deployed from within the Experiature uh, platform. So this is an open data architecture which allows integration with exactly what we talked about last week, which was the big conversation last week about integrating with CRM and point of sale and ERP and PMS and range of other systems, everything that you can imagine that could fit into this. So you get a full, not even a 360 degree, but like a full like 4D view of what the customer is, who they are, what they've done, how they've engaged with you before. Um, and this can uh, amazing because it can power stuff like uh, you know ticket tickets like uh, for support tickets reservations actually ticketing like you know buying mm -hmm. tickets loyalty programs management couponing you name it and so on and so forth this is a big 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 play and this is exactly what we talked about last week isn't it Asif about this whole integration it has to integrate with it's, every it's piece got it. I mean you can't you, I mean these what all these things need to scale right yes um, and, and the ch the challenge is, is so many of these platforms, you know, they're great when you deploy, you know, it in Silo. one store or three stores yeah. or whatever. But when it gets to, you know, we got we got five thousand stores in our network, and we got CRM systems and uh, you know POS systems and backend customer history data and purchase history data. You know, all, you got to roll that all together for this stuff to be really effective and work. And that's that's what, like uh, what. Expiture is doing. Expiture. And you know what the big thing as well? We talked about this as well. I don't know if they were watching the show and they invented this in the last week, in the last four days, but uh, I'd say kudos to them if they did. Or, or basically, you know, this is exactly what they're doing is they're doing this coordinated multi-channel marketing piece as well. So, you know, they're not only talking about bringing all the data in, but then they're also saying, okay, we're going to segment based on location and who you are and what you, how you like to be communicated, whether it's email, over the web, or SMS, or social, mm -hmm. or other messaging, which is in-app messaging. 
So this is basically, uh, they're doing that, and then they're putting the analytics layer on top of that to understand what's being interacted yeah. with at what point. So and, and this it's, is big. It's really important. I mean, we're, one of the panels that we're going to do at Retail Local is all about this integrated you know, data flow inside of a, you know, a, a retail environment, obviously, because it's it. a retail show. Yeah. But we're going to be talking about this you know, uh, from an IT point of view. You know, like so much of the focus has been on marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's it, you know the CIOs and the store operations people need to get on board with this stuff and understand how it all fits together, right? Um, and so we're gonna have a whole panel on that at Retail Loco, um, you know, just focusing on that discussion and that issue. So, but you know, one of my uh, other shows that we're just uh, putting together right now, which is called the Mobile Marketing Minute, which is much longer than a minute, but it's a it's a group. Uh, with Greg Hickman over at Mobile Mixed, and, and we talk about uh, how do you sell mobile into your organization. He says the first person you should be talking to is the CIO or the CTO of the organization because they got to be mm. your best friends. And 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 you know it, it's quite literally the infrastructure plays, the enterprise plays like this. Uh, you have to involve them in everything that you do. And I think that you know, and it has to integrate. And they're going to be asking these questions, and you have to have some kind of solution like this. Whether this is the right one or not, I, I don't know. I've never used this. But they're saying the right words. They're talking about the same thing. They're using this kind of open language and data architecture that we, we should have in this in this platform. And hopefully, the, the thing is that you can extract yourself. Should you don't like this platform, you can extract your data and put it in something else as easily as you uh, open these guys up. But um, the worst thing that we can do is get into a complicated rollout like an ERP play of the late 90s, early 2000s, right? To yeah. We don't want to do that whole stuff with SaaS and all that kind of stuff. So, um, uh, or SAP, right. sorry. Yeah. So that was a good story. Good all right, story. gentlemen. All right. This Number is cool. Six. This is called tip bombing. Yes, you heard that right, tip bombing. Uh, this is all about uh, people coming together to make people feel good. And we're, by this, we're talking about street musicians uh, and artists. Uh, and so the idea was uh, created by a group called BBH uh, in New York. Um, and, and the idea was, was really around, you know, what if we could get hundreds of people together, you know, in the same way you do sort of, you know, uh, flash, uh, flash mobs. mobs yeah. okay? Flash mobs. These coordinated dances and all this kind of stuff. What if we we could just pick a street musician in the middle of of New York City, uh, or in the subway platform, and we could organize beforehand for like a hundred people or, or more to show up and start dropping dollar bills into this guy's you know uh, guitar case, you know? How would that make the street music, musician feel? This was the goal, right? And and this is what they did, and it worked really really well. Um, and um, you know, and, it, and it's just trying to show that you know they were trying to demonstrate that you know people do care and re- and, and and respect what these people do, you know, to, to earn a living, you know, being street musicians. Um, but to overwhelm them in this way, to kind of create this positive energy and people around it seeing it and watching it, uh, you know, really, 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 really neat. They're doing it again. Uh, actually, uh, they just they just did it again yesterday. Um, uh, well, not yesterday, July thirty first. Uh, July thirtieth. Uh, they did it again uh, in Times Square, and um, you know, it looks like it's something that they're going to keep doing over and over again. Um, and it's interesting because, like, you know, if you're a brand. Right, you know that that you know has done flash mobs and things like that before. You know, think about you know this doesn't require like people to train on dance moves, right? Like this is just like okay, we're gonna find 200 people, we're gonna give everybody a dollar, you know, or two dollars or whatever it is, and we're gonna say okay, just show up at this time in this place in front of this street musician and put one dollar in the guy's guitar case and put another dollar in your pocket and we're good, right? <laughs> <laughs> and 
you know what I mean? It, 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 it's, it's so cheap yeah. to do this yeah. kind of thing. And, and the impact that it has on, on, on society is, uh, is, massive. is, is unbelievable. Yeah. So yeah, I love it. I've seen tip bombing inside of restaurants where, uh, you know, I, there's like a hundred or $200 bill, um, for 10 people and they, you know, they tip the waitress 1400 or $1,500, same kind of thing. Right. Uh, yeah. that, that would be, that would have been great back in my day. Yeah. yeah. Be great right now if you want to tip us fourteen or fifteen hundred dollars. That'd be fine. Become a patron. That's right. All it costs is fourteen or fifteen hundred dollars. <laughs> hey, tip bomb the episode. Yeah. Untether.tv yeah. forward slash Patreon. You know, if we had every person who downloads this thing, just just give us one dollar. Yeah. Just one dollar. We, we would be able to retire. That's all we're asking for the year. We'd be able to retire. You know, like the amount that we could, you know, what we could do to improve this show and, and uh, you know, and, and do a few live shows or something like that would be insane. See, if everybody download, gave us a dollar, we'd be doing this from, like, our permanent residence in the Turks and Caicos. Yeah. Yeah. In right. fact, we wouldn't be doing this at all. Yes, we would. I know. We'll right. never stop doing this. Tip bombing. Very cool. All right. We get number seven. Let's our go. seventh story. Uh, this is a uh, partnership between a company called Glimpse, and who we talk about quite often here, and a company called Kick, which is a uh, Waterloo-based uh, company. Isn't it? Am I right about that? It is. Kick is a Waterloo-based company up here in Canada, uh, famous for being kicked off the BlackBerry platform where they started to. Uh, they were really one of the first companies in the messaging space, right? The cross-platform messaging space. They got punted from BlackBerry. Now they've created this great success because they have 150 million Kick subscribers right now, which is crazy cool. Uh, for a Canadian company, there nobody really talks about them, but they've created this new partnership with Glimpse, uh, and now they can actually share their location with their friends, all from within the app, which is uh, really, really, really cool. 150 million people doing that. Glimpse just turns it on like that. Uh, Kick now has location capabilities inside of their app. It's called uh, Glimpse for Kick. <laughs> That's what they call it. They need some help with the marketing here. Like they could like they could have done like Glipkick or Glink or something like that. Um, it's part of the app and allows you to share your location with individuals, or you can request a reply. Or, or even like local kick or something. Well, yeah, something. like. But Glimpse for kick. I suppose you want your brand in there as well. But uh, but yeah. you can request a, a reply with Glimpse uh, in the middle of a conversation. Uh, you can you know do a request for your location or tell people where you are your location. There's also the option to view a friend's location on a live map within an already established conversation. So you can do that kind of stuff. Um, this is part of the, uh, I think, and we can talk about this at, at length, and I think we will, about the whole don't leave my app worry strategy that's being employed by many apps because we knew that uh, kick earlier on this year integrated a, a full web browser inside of the app so that people don't have to be kicked out to whatever browser is default on the uh, on the mobile device no pun intended yeah exactly kicked out exactly they mm -hmm. want to keep you in kick without kicking you out of kick and i think that this is a deeper conversation about the whole paranoia about if they leave my app then they'll come back and so i think that this is part of it but it's also a great way for a company like glimpse to get in front of 150 million new users so we're going to be talking about this a little bit later on in the show very cool glimpse and kick partnering on glimpse for kick god spend go. some money on all marketing right. all right our eighth story is about nike cool and something called the fuel box so uh, I don't know. Uh, you you got some of these Nike devices, don't you, Rob? I got them all. I got them all. Got one handy? I don't. No. no. Um, they all yeah. break. So basically, if you have a Nike Fuel Band, uh, and and you're tracking all you know your activity, your all your physical activity, and your calories, and your distance, and all the stuff that you track, it's all good. And we we see these wearables. You know, more and more of these wearables coming every day. Rob's got one on. That's my misfit right there. Favorite one ever. Um, and by the way, some of these companies uh, that make these things will be speaking at the at the uh, at the Grow Conference. So if you want to meet some of them in person, come on out to to Whistler. 
But anyhow, these guys have put together what I think is a really, really cool combination. So they put together this vending machine with Nike product in the vending machine, but you don't you don't use money to buy anything in this machine. You use your you, the generation of the physical activity you've done in the in the in the fuel band as the way to unlock rewards effectively in the form of Nike merchandise from this Wicked. machine. Unbelievable! Wicked. So they, they they started this on on July seventeenth, um, and just had it in one location. It just appeared one day. Uh, with some marketing around it, and then they basically started going on Twitter saying, "Hey, you know the the fuel box will appear, you know, somewhere soon, you know, in your location, on, and and you don't know where it's going to be. It's like a secret location uh, that it just it's going to be here for for a day, and so so this thing's going to move around. Um, and I like it. It's really really cool. It reminds me a little bit of the Molson Canadian, Canadian thing, beer. The beer. Um, show you your know, passport. With, show you know, scan your passport to unlock the beer fridge, or sing O Canada to uh, unlock the beer fridge. You know, here we got. Uh, you know, use use the activity, and, and and this is about you know, go out, get fit, do things. Uh, you know, to to make yourself feel better uh, and, and and be healthier. And we're going to reward you for that. You know, come to this vending machine and and, and plug in your fuel band, and, uh, and and we'll reward you with stuff based on what on your activity. I like it. So do I. I love it. I love. It. We'll be talking about that a little bit later. It's the best thing ever. Oh my, it's the best thing ever. And you know what? It's so disruptive, and we'll explain that why it's so disruptive after we get through these top 10 stories. So you're going to have to stick around. All right, our uh, ninth story. Hey, whatever happened to Andrew Mason? Whatever happened to the guy? You know, you, after he didn't take the $6 billion? Yeah. After he said no to the $6 billion to sell his company that he founded called Groupon, and then he got summarily dismissed by Groupon, punted right out or resigned, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then he went into hiding, and uh, he said he was starting up a new company. That new company is called Detour. Detour. It's a location-aware location, location aware travel app that promises to take you down the path less traveled with fewer tourists in order to see the real city and hear their stories. I'm going to watch this. you got to watch this video to get a sense of what it's like because this explains really what it is like. It's available in San Francisco right now. It's in beta in San Francisco. So watch this promo, and uh, we'll come back on the flip. Hello. Are you ready to explore? Then put your phone in your pocket, and let's go. Most people are looking at the stuff on the right, but we're headed left. I'm going to take you where the tourists don't go. Today, we won't be shackled to a tour group. We'll be on your schedule at your pace. Our eyes won't be glued to guidebooks or gadgets. Just keep your eyes open and follow my lead. We'll walk down back alleys and push through secret passageways where the real heart of this city beats. You'll get to walk in someone else's shoes, like a fisherman who's been coming here every day since before you were born. When I first came down here, some old Italian guys took me under their wing. They showed me how to fish and saved my life at least once. Bring friends if you want. We'll listen together. I'll point out wonder in the seemingly mundane. We'll peel back layers of history, as if the walls could talk. I'll take you inside strange and magical places and tell you the backstories that bring them to life. Whether you're a visitor or you've lived here your whole life, I'll show you the needle in the haystack you might not otherwise find. You'll have plenty of time to explore along the way. And wherever you go, I'll be here to guide you. Introducing Detour, stories that take you places. 
So that is what he's been up to, Detour. It is like one of probably, I don't know, many other similar types of uh, applications out there. Nothing unique about this. I like the audio piece to it. I like the location piece to it. I like the audio and location piece to it. But it is a something that doesn't really scale very well. They're calling, they're doing a call for uh, ideas and suggestions. Like here in Ottawa, like many cities, we have our like a, a haunted walk, right? And then we have, uh, you know, a, um, uh, you know, we have a tour of uh, parliament buildings because we're at the seat of the nation's capital. And we are the nation's capital and we are the seat of government. So we have all these different types of walks that are, uh, that we have around here. And I think that maybe this would be interesting for that. But it's so not unique and it's so weird that he's doing this. Um, but it's called Detour. Uh, the app is going to launch with five walks and it's in private beta right now, as I said, all of which will be in San Francisco. And he hopes that what he'll do is he'll expand by 10 to 20 uh, more walks in the coming months and then releasing a detour every week or so. Um, it's a hard scale. It's a hard thing to scale. It's I, high production you know, costs. I, I just wish, I just wish, you know, Andrew Mason and Josh Williams could just get yeah, together. Somebody's got to do something. Hey? Figure this stuff out. <laughs> right? You're right. You're right. It, it, Josh been, Williams, the, the founder of uh, Goala. Goala. Acquired by Facebook, went out Disbanded. and says he's working on some new travel exploratory location thing. It just shows we still you. Still haven't heard much about that. So these two should get together and figure it out. But it just shows you that that everybody's trying to do these things. Like these guys, once it's in their blood, they have this goal to do something that's unique. But uh, but San Francisco is not the epicenter of the world. It might seem like it is, but it, it is uh, it is not. And and I think that one of the comments that I read while I was doing some research on this story was that hey, listen, you know, I asked people. I said, hey, like, I'm going to New York for the first time. So I asked people what I should do, and they said, hey, don't go to the Empire State Building. Go go to the Statue of Liberty. Sit in the park and watch people. And the guy said, that sounded absolutely ridiculous. Of course, I'm going to the Empire State Building. Why? Because it's my first visit. I don't want to be off the beaten track my first visit. I want to actually do the tourist thing. So this is a weird mix. Like, you have to have gone to San Francisco yeah. many times to want to do this. Um, and to, like, instead of walking in front of the fisheries in, you know, at uh, uh, Fisherman's Wharf, you walk behind the fisheries and fish. Like, it just seems a little weird. You um, get a better smell of the fish, man. I know. It just seems weird. I, like, it's not unique, and it's so disappointing, right? The guy should have taken the six bills and retired. Andrew Mason. But you get what you deserve in life. Here you go. And we've talked about go. this for almost 193 episodes. You're a freaking idiot for not taking the money. You're still a freaking idiot for not taking the money. No matter what you do, you're a freaking idiot for not taking the money. Oh, Couldn't have said it better myself. Andrew Mason. There you go. A All right, idiot. one more story. Our 10th story uh, is about a company called NextNav. Now, that's, this is a good, I, I like the name, hey, NextNav. I know what it does. NextNav. Uh, so they raised 70 million bucks. It's a Series D led by New Enterprise Associates and Oak Investment Partners. Uh, along with a few other people, including uh, Columbia Capital and Goldman Sachs and uh, a few others. So got some good good pedigree here. Um, this is an interesting thing because this is a company who actually owns their own spectrum. Okay, uh, So, so they, they, uh, they acquired their own FCC-licensed spectrum. And effectively what they're building is what they call a Metropolitan Beacon System, MBS. It's a positioning network that offers horizontal and vertical location services inside buildings and in urban canyons. So this is a, it's interesting. This is not running like, you know, iBeacons and, and gimbals. Uh, this is like a very large-scale beacon network. Uh, that gives you, you know, uh, precise indoor uh, location and vert the vertical piece is interesting too because that's a challenge for a lot of these systems, you know, to to measure, you know, what floor somebody's on, uh, and they're doing it all with the, with their own uh, unique spectrum that they uh, that they that they own, which is very interesting. So, check it out, Next, Next Nav. 
raised seventy million dollars, and it's just like it sounds. Nextnav. Yeah, they bought their own Spectrum. They got their own Spectrum, and by the way, they, they're working with Broadcom um, on on a partnership as well. So that's that's kind of cool. I like that. Thinking a little bit differently about this these uh, this challenge that we're all having. Next nav, next nav, seventy million bucks. All right, those are the top ten stories. It was like an extended version of the top ten stories because the stories were so good. That's the thing, Asif. You gotta kind of give me some crappy stories every once in a while so I can rail a little <laughs> bit, right? You gave me all good hey, man, stories. I try to give you high quality stuff every you, week. You really did. Those are great stories. So the three stories that we're gonna be talking about today, we're gonna be talking about Kick and uh, Glimpse and uh, the integration there and what that means and and this trend we're starting to see with with companies doing two things. One of them is uh, bringing partnering with other companies to extend their reach, like Glimpse did with Kick. Uh, you know, to bring bring uh, Glimpse into 150 million uh, users is pretty impressive. And the other side of it is to experiment like when what instagram is is doing with bolt um they're trying to leverage their existing audience and try to extend it into this market and and, and compete on a, maybe on a playing field that they shouldn't be competing we're gonna be talking about that the next thing we're gonna be talking about is is this whole beaconization of the entire freaking planet so it starts with hbc and lord and taylor uh we talked about the sausages a lot hillshire sausages uh last week when when uh you know basically it had this massive uplift in in revenue for them was they built they built this brand out and what's next to come with this uh, with the beacon world and the last thing we're gonna be talking about which i think is absolutely amazing is the nike fuel box and what this means and it, it is monumental what it means but you're gonna have to stick around for that understand i'm building this up and building this up because before we do that let's see if we have a guest yes we do Man, talk about the guest. Yeah, so I had a chance uh, this week to sit down with uh, Debbie Keterer. Uh, she's a co-founder and chief strategy officer for LiveLux. Uh, and Debbie was uh, actually one of the speakers at our New York uh, chapter event uh, about a month or two ago now uh, that was focused on location-based marketing for luxury retail, obviously a space that LiveLux plays in. Uh, so I thought it'd be great to have Debbie on and and have her share her insights in, in a little bit into the industry and location and what they're doing. Uh, you know, just a super smart person, phenomenal background. I mean, former, uh, you know, ran, ran all, uh, you know, sort of digital uh, and, and, and mobile stuff for Estee Lauder, uh, you know, years back. Been in, you know, been, you know, in, in the tech side, been in the marketing side and the creative side. So she she sees it from all aspects. So really, really uh, enjoyed the conversation. So, um you know, with that, here is uh, Debbie Keterer from LiveLux. So it's that time of the week where we get to bring on a special guest. And this week, it's Debbie Keterer, uh, the uh, co-founder and chief strategy officer of LiveLux. Debbie, welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing. Thank you very much for having me today. Yeah, it's awesome. We, uh, you know, we we had you uh, and, and your organization involved in, in one of our recent New York chapter events. Uh, but for those of us who couldn't uh, be in New York, even I wasn't there uh, for this particular one, uh, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about, you know, what is Live Lux? Uh, what, what, what do we need to know about this company? So Live Lux was started in 2012, and it's a company that really I had the vision to think about how to put together, kind of it's a bridge between retail and e-commerce. And what it is, is a retail sales tool, that's an iPad app, that allows the sales associate to speak to a consumer anywhere they may be. So they could be on the beach, they could be uh, in a, at their home, they could be in the airport, and it allows them to shop with them at any given point in time. And so I really felt when I got involved with the company that it was something that's kind of the future of retail. Okay. 
Very good. So, so you know, that, I, I like that term, the bridge between those two things. That's really interesting. I mean, you know, in a sense, you know, at the LBMA, we're a bridge too because, you know, we, we sit between the actual retailers and brands that are trying to figure out how to use location-based marketing and technology companies that are trying to obviously sell them and, and bring them innovative solutions in the space. So, you know, I'm a big fan of bridges, so I'm, I'm glad you're going there. Now, t- tell us a little bit more about the platform itself in, in terms of, you know, what, you know, how are you addressing the problems in the industry or what were the problems that you saw or the gaps that, you know, that made sense to create a live Lux in the first place? So it's kind of interesting, you know, as mobility gets greater, I think what we were seeing is that there were many sales associates using their iPhones to actually send photos out to their consumers. But I was a brand steward, I actually worked in brand for a long time, and if I knew that that was happening on a corporate side, I'd be like, oh my gosh, how could that happen? Because we spend so much time and energy making these look beautiful, and now they're kind of going out on an iPhone. And so you can't really maintain the quality or you can't maintain the actual cropping. And so what's happening is the brand is people are seeing things, but they're not seeing them in the best light. So when we understood that that was happening and that consumers really liked it, but yet it wasn't necessarily converting as much as it may could, could have, we decided that this app um, could be something that could be really viable from many, many different levels. So what we did was we did a beta. We went out and we put something together and kind of shopped it around to see what people were going to be thinking about and doing. And we talked to consumers and we talked to brands, talked to sales associates. And what we realized is that it is really a need in the market. And so we put together, um, just this January, we relaunched with a new branding identity and really came out with something that I think really now resonates. And you know, we're looking at it in the luxury market because the personal shopping effect is really important for, for this. We don't necessarily see it lending itself to mass yet, but we think in the future it will. But for luxury, it's important because having a personal shopper is really a lot of the people who do shop luxury do have someone in store that they work with all the time. Okay, very good. I mean, and and I think, you know, it's interesting because when you talk about, you know, that category of luxury retail, I would say that, um, you know, the representation of the product and, and, and the quality of the product and, and, you know, the design that goes into it is so important to, to bring across, right, to an audience. And that I can see that, that being a very difficult thing to achieve in, in an online framework. So uh, it sounds, sounds like you've hit on that, that gap. Now, you know, companies like Nordstrom and Neiman Marcus and Burberry and, and, and some of these organizations uh, that, that we've worked with, you know, are investing heavily in location-based technologies, in, especially indoor technologies, beacons and things like that. You know, what, what role do you see location playing in, in the work that you're doing? Oh, I think location is really important. I mean, so there's a couple of things, right? So if you have tourists walking down the street and actually you're going on, you're on Fifth Avenue or Madison Avenue in New York, if I actually have the ability to contact that consumer knowing that they're there and understanding that I know that kind of how they shop, that location-based thing is really huge, right? Because I can draw them in, I can send them things while we're there, and I think that that is, this, this is kind of the next step for us which would be now how do we target those consumers that we're not necessarily in contact with what we'd like to acquire. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, and so is, is there a path uh, within your mind right now in terms of how, you, how you're going to connect sort of real-time location awareness to your platform? Is that something you, you've thought through, you've got partners worked out, or are you doing it yourself? 
No, actually, I think it's on the roadmap. Right now, we're really trying to get to that first step on this, which is more about how we actually get the consumers and the sales associates to speak to each other in a certain way. Once we get that into place, the roadmap has that down the road, we would actually start to integrate that up. So, you know, this is actually a big step out in the sense that people, so brands like to do what they do. So when you try to change what they do a little bit, it's really hard for them. So I feel like baby steps are really important. And I think everyone's looking at all of these technologies. And so it's a matter of how do you find kind of the foundation that's going to work and then start to implement that over time. And so I think if we were asked by a brand, could you do this? We'd absolutely look for partners to put them in place. Excellent. So let's jump right, right into that then. You know, as far as the brands are concerned that you're working with, is there is there a particular example, case study, brand that that, uh, that you've been able to help with your platform that you can share with us just to give a sense of, of what the power is? Yeah, so I think confidentially I can't really share the brands, but I can say that there are two brands. You know, most luxury brands kind of start in Europe. There's a few that start in the U.S., but they're European brands. Both were high-end jewelry brands that we worked with. Um, and I can give you two case studies. One wanted to use it really B2B and B2C. So from the B2B side, we actually set up a catalog so that they could actually speak to their wholesalers. So they were able to actually do a remote session with their wholesalers instead of taking all the jewelry with them to a store and actually needing to show it to them that way. So they were able to use a remote session to work with their wholesalers in order to have them sell. They could also send things ahead of time. We have a mail system in there so that you can email things out to them. So if they wanted to see things, it allows you to kind of curate and send. So B2B-wise, they were using it that way. B2C-wise, they were using it in-store so that they were using it for a lot of more in-reach where people would call and they'd say we, they saw this ad and they were able to pull it up and then actually show it to them via video or via catalog and really show them the things they were doing. The next step would be outreach where you would be able to go and now new season launches and you have new products and you'd be able to say here are the new products we want to show them to you early and actually send an email and then have a session when they come in. So the case studies have been really interesting. There's a lot of creativity in this. You can think about it and one of the things I love about it is it can morph based on what you want and that's kind of the beauty of technology, right? You can kind of add to drive multiple yeah. and make it all kind of work for you. So that's kind of the way. Right? <laughs> Excellent. So, so I mean, I mean that's great, and uh, you know, I really thank you, uh, you know, for taking the time to kind of explain explain the platform a little bit, share, you know, some unique insights in, into an industry we don't talk about every day, uh, you know, on on this show. I mean, it's you know, luxury retail is, uh, you know, a lot of money's going into it, a lot of technology's going into it, but uh, it doesn't tend to get the press uh, that you know the Best Buys and the uh, the Macy's. Uh, of the world uh, get when, when, in terms of investments in, in this space. So, you know, really thank, thankful that you're, you're able to share with that. Uh, if for people who want to get more information, I assume they, they can just go to uh, www.livelux.com. Uh, -E Is that right? That's right. And you'll see a video and it gives you a great use case study of, um, of a woman actually in her office and a person in the store and how they actually interact based on having 10 minutes to do a sale. Okay, excellent. So you heard it here. Uh, again, thanks to, uh, to Debbie Keterer, the co-founder and chief strategy officer of LiveLux. Thank you for joining us on the show today. Uh, look forward to uh, chatting with you in the future. Thanks, it's been a great time. Thank you very much.
Yeah, so Debbie, thanks again for uh, for coming on the show and sharing with uh, with the audience. I uh, love what you guys are doing at LiveLux. I uh, hope, uh, hope we can connect with you further. Uh, maybe Rob will reach out to you and do uh, a much bigger uh, uh, interview at some point down the road. So, uh, yeah, thanks for doing that, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll hear more from Debbie in the days to come. Sweet, sweet. Thanks, Debbie, for coming on, and thanks for letting us use that clip on This Week in Location-Based Marketing. All right, Steve. Three big monumental stories, um, and you know I think that they're all trends that are uh, something that is e emerging. None of this stuff is is set in stone, but we've got Kick and uh, and Glimpse and Instagram and uh, Bolt, and we've got Beacons and uh, what they're doing with HBC and uh, Lord and Taylor, and then we've certainly got this Nike Fuelbox, which is going to revolutionize the world. It's a small thing, but it's going to it's a big change, a sea shift. So let's start with the kick and uh, and Instagram conversation and glimpse conversation. Um, you, you've heard my view about this. Is that look? I think that this is an amazing way to for a company like Glimpse to get into 150 million new users and get you know brand awareness for that. Um, and from kick standpoint, it means that they don't actually have to kick them out to go to a map or to a, a, another uh, third-party service. Uh, is that the trend that we're seeing in here? Uh, is that the big story when you look at these kind of uh, integrations? Yeah, for for me, it's 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 the latter part of what you just described, right? It, it's the you know, from the kicks point of view or from the Instagram's point of view, you've got hundred, you know, a hundred plus million people uh, already on this platform. Um, and it's really about how do we bring more feature functionality, uh, you know, without them having to go elsewhere, right? I mean, that's the key story yeah. here for me. And, and there are a lot of other platforms like this, you know, think of Shazam, think of, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's just so many things like this out there that, you know, these are the, you know, when we talk about apps, right, and we're talking about, you know, trying to get people to download apps. At the end of the day, you know, you pick up your phone, I pick up my phone or my tablet or whatever, and, there, you know, maybe there's five, seven, five. you know, go-to apps, apps yep. that you use with any regularity, right? The rest are all... You know, stuff you download, you play with once or twice, and you forget about, um, or maybe you go back to, you know, once a quarter or once a year, you know, when you need it. But for the most part, it's these five or seven apps, and it's those types of apps that you know, hundred plus million people have out there that you know have the ability to kind of draw in this additional functionality, increase their value and their stickiness, um, you know, to the audience, uh, you know, that, that uses them. And I think that's what Kick's doing here. Um, that's what Instagram. Well, I mean, that's not Instagram's Instagram, a different story. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Instagram's a different story, but they should be doing right. And and so the, you know, right now there's this battle right in the industry um, between what I just described, which is stick to the app you've got, add more layers, uh, you know, of feature and functionality to it, and and try and you know just bring more value to the user base. Then you have sort of the contrary view at the moment, which is kind of what Facebook's doing. You know what Instagram, you know, well, same company. What Instagram's doing, what Foursquare is trying to do by splitting the, the, you know, the the service into two separate apps. You know, I personally, I don't get that. You know, I think you're just dividing your audience. Um, you you know, that only makes sense to me if you know from a, from a sort of overall corporate hierarchy perspective, you're looking at at your services and you're trying to. You know, parcel them out, target different in, audience. You know, into different audiences, so that you can you can monetize or sell. You know, one one app. You know, sell one company, if you will. Uh, you know, off and, and and monetize that and, and and get a return from that, and then continue on in another business until you're able to monetize that. So, from that point of view, you know, from a venture capital uh, investment, you know, ROI point of view, I get it. 
But from the user's point of view over here, I don't get it, right? Uh, and I think that's what I like what Kip's doing, uh, Kick uh, is doing, um, and potentially what you know Shazam and Yelp and and others could do. So there you go. The big and the big thing it just dawned on me as well as we talked about this is the the the, the monetization of this is the missing piece, right? So location now inside of Kick allows lo Kick to now start to think about new ways of turning revenue on for them other right. than a subscription basis, right? So that they can do some location-based advertising. They can do the things that Instagram is doing inside of the stream. Um, and even what Snapchat is trying to do inside of the stream, right? We talked about a little bit of the branding, the location branding that Snapchat is, is, is starting to think about. Um, so that makes great sense. I'm a huge, I, I believe in this kind of glimpse, uh, kick kind of relationship where they're complementary, right? As long as they, th that it ends up being that way. Um, but this whole thing with Instagram and, and building something like Bolt, it just, as I said, you know, during the story, it doesn't, it, there's no correlation between what Instagram is as a platform and what this Bolt is as a platform. And I got to tell you that just because I'm, I got 150 or 160 million people on, on uh, the Instagram platform doesn't mean that they're the right platform no. or the right people for Bolt. So you're, you're essentially no, trying I mean, to replicate. Like, think about that. I mean, who are the people? I mean, what is the use case yeah. for creating a temporary photo? It's not, right? it's not the same. Up. You know, all I can think of is, is some teenager trying to, like, you know, send some you know, half-naked photo to their uh, boyfriend or girlfriend that, and that they want to disappear. Right, that's all I can think of. That's the only use case. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I'm not in that category. And, you know, Doesn't make sense. I use Instagram o yeah. over here. You not know, to do that uh, though. You know, but not for that. No. Right. So. But that you know, it just it, as well is that everybody's trying to fight this battle. And if this is their answer, it's like no. Look, Snapchat is already there. And I, I, I don't. I don't say that it, you know to be dismissive. And I, and I think that it can be disrupted. But it's not going to be disrupted. But the same damn service. Right? No, it, or an inferior yeah. service. So, so it's a different audience. It, it is, and and it, for, for Instagram to do this, it just it shows me that it's like they don't they're out of control. They have lost control of the company because the Instagram that we knew with Systrom would never have done this. His attention to detail and his focus on the platform that he's building right now is was uncompromising. And I think that this is the influence of Facebook in there saying, "Hey, listen, no, you know what? We got to fight this." We got to fight this. So you guys are going to do this because you have the platform. You take photos. So obviously with photos and with this temporary photos, same thing. Go. It's a ridiculous thing. And and hopefully it doesn't backfire. But so was the, you know, Swarm and Foursquare. Ridiculous. And it hasn't worked out for those guys very effectively. So you got two different spectrums of a relationship and a partnership is that bringing value into the yeah. app. And by the way, sorry, just 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 one sort of adjunct story that, that I didn't bring up this week, but yeah. You know, talking about the split of Foursquare into uh, in Swarm, Yelp reported this week that after 10 years of being in business, they finally turned a profit. Oh, my. There you go. 10 years, folks, it yeah. took Yelp to turn a profit. So does that mean you've got, there's hope for Foursquare? <laughs> I don't know. But I, I, would say, I would say, no, there isn't help. You know why? Because they, they don't have 10 years. I can but tell you that. They abandoned, they, they, they didn't stick with what they knew. Like Yelp has, has, has evolved, but the, the premise of Yelp today is the same as it was 10 years ago, which is a good idea, right? right? Foursquare caught on as a fad, and now they're trying to figure out what their business is, yeah. right? So it, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like Kick, I, I, like Kick Glimpse makes sense. Instagram Bolt doesn't. I just I have a hard time with this, and and it's it's unnerving really because I think that it, you take a good platform and destroy it that way. All right, oh. let's Man. talk about something good again. Okay, beacons. See if you must love this story, right? You must. 
I, I do like I, I really like this story. I mean, number one, you know, I'm 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 very I'm proud as a Canadian to say this is you know HBC Canadian company stepping up uh, and you know getting behind rolling out beacons in their HBC stores and their Lord and Taylor stores. This is good. This is you know one of the biggest deployments in retail to date yep. uh, of, of beacon technologies. So you know, big big news. Uh, the use case, uh, the, the Swirl technology is solid. Uh, you know they've done they've done a good job here. And you know I I was interviewed. Uh, you know when when this story was going to hit um, last week. I was I was interviewed last week by the Financial Post up here in Canada, and they, who wrote a piece on this. And I and I described to them. I, I said that, like this is like you know the that that sort of first pebble in the water, right? Yeah. That kind of sets sets things in motion, right? For retailers to truly, you know, start to you know roll this out on at scale. And then later this week, um, you know, we uh, there was a story that came out from um, our good friends over at Shelf Bucks uh, down in Austin, and they announced a, a huge beacon uh, deployment with GameStop uh, mm-hmm. in all of their stores. Um, so again, like it, it's just starting to roll now. You're going to see this, uh, you know, uh, every week now. I'm sure we're going to we're going to see, you know, another major retailer say that you know they've deployed beacons in in all their stores. So it, it's moving now. It's starting to shift from we're just doing pilots in our labs, you know, with or or you know we've got uh, beacons in five stores or whatever it is to yeah you know we we get it. We're deploying it across the entire uh, network of stores. Uh, but the challenge for me. You know, and it, it comes back to you know uh, one of your earlier stories is the integration you know with all the other in-store systems, the CRM, the point of sale, all of that, right? And I think what's going to happen is is if we only look at these as the at these rollouts as push messaging to consumers, um, and and the, and what we end up pushing them in the end is not smart in the sense that you know like we can't just push the same offer to to everybody no. right this was the problem we had with groupon back in the days right everybody got the same damn offer right we can't do that what we have to start to do is or at least for now it's okay but it's soon not going to be okay right because the more stores that we have have beacons the more consumers you know have these the uh, you know these apps on their phone the more they're getting pushed the more they're going to get annoyed when they start getting the same thing over and over again so this stuff has to be smart, and the only way it gets smart is when you start to tie it into, you know, uh, CRMs, Profile. purchase history data, you know, where you can personalize and individualize what you're delivering, what the offer is, what what you're pushing to the consumer, yeah. you know, and guys like uh, companies like uh, Data Logics, for example, that owns all the offline purchase history data for pretty much every major retailer out there. It's integrations between those guys and Swirl that need to happen, right? And, and more of those types of partnerships that need to happen. So that's my two cents on it. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on this, is that, uh, you know, I, I question um, the fact that, I mean, we're talking about beacon deployments, but who cares about the number of beacons? It doesn't matter that they're going to be 3 billion beacons deployed by 2020. It doesn't, that, that's, not, that's just a number. Yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the layer on top. And I think that that's what Swirl wants to be known as. It's not, a, it's not so much about the technology, because the beacons will change. It's about the software. Beacons are commodity yeah. at the end of the day. The smarts like, on top. I mean, they're going to go to zero at some point. But it is. And, and uh, it, it's the intelligence, exactly as you said. It's the intelligence that has to go into that. And, and we talked about uh, Autograph, right? The guys who did Region Street. That episode was up this week on Untether.tv. So you can go and check that out. And he talks about just asking 40 questions 
40 questions to profile and it basically gives you like 4,500 characteristics of yep. the users result of these 40 questions. And then they can customize the push to you based on the, literally like, you know, depending on who you are and, and how you answer that question, you'll get the right push to you and you can, you can tweak it at will. And I think that, so you're gonna start to see this division and it's the same way as IT and services. You've got the IT guys, like you got a company like Mahana Right, uh, which at getmahana.com, and we feature them on Untether.tv, and they'll manage the infrastructure. So they'll manage the smarts behind the beacons, because the beacons are a pain in the ass to manage. So battery goes down, you have to replace that, or else it loses all validity. It loses everything. So you're gonna have that that infrastructure guy that manages yep. the beacons, and then you're gonna have that service layer that acts as the first, as the be all and end all, as the uh, end point, as we're starting to see right now for a uh, customer relationship, but then they become the bridge to the big guys when the big guys turn around and face it. Like, so there's gonna be a lot of pivoting that goes on here. So they're gonna start as like the company that has all the data, and then they're gonna end up being the company that has is the throughway of all the data that they can go into all the different services and companies and software and pull that information out to give a good push, the, the right message at the right time through the beacon. So this is, we say this, the companies that are now just figuring this out, they're doing the trials now for this first holiday season with beacons. This is going to be a beacon world at Christmas. If you're not already trialing them, you're kind of screwed as a retailer. But all these big companies out there doing these trials, uh, and we are just, like, we're not even at the foam or the particle on top of the foam or the surface of anything at this moment right now. Because what is about to unfold is going to blow our minds, and we, we can't mm -hmm. even think about that right now because we're at the beginning of this. Huge. Like, if beacons can help... Uh, Hillshire Farms launched a sausage into a 20x relift on revenue as a result of beacons. Why isn't everybody just jumping the fuck on these yeah, things? Yeah, but you see, the, the interesting thing, and last comment on this, because we got we got to get on to the next story. But, no, we but can talk the, about this forever, man. Like, I'm, I'm all riled up. <laughs> but but in both the Hillshire case and in, in, in the HBC uh, Lord & Taylor case, you know whether in one case, in one in one side it was swirl, in the other side it was uh, with Hillshire it was in market, and yeah. both and both companies are taking the approach of look, you know we don't care what app exactly the consumer has in their Love pocket, it. right? If it's the HBC app, great. Yeah. If it's Snip Snap, okay. If it's you know PayPal, you know whatever. So, so they're just taking their technology and saying, look, we're going to integrate with every app we possibly can out there that consumers already have in their device. Yeah. Same as the kick discussion, yeah. right? You already got this thing, 120 million people or whatever the number was. 150. Um, let's, yes. Let's what 50, 150 million 150 people. Million. Let's tie into that. And so when you walk into into the HBC or the GameStop, you know we we can deliver uh, you know uh, some sort of uh, a message to you. And that's that makes sense to me, right? I because just wonder, there's no it, way. I don't care who you are as a retailer, and I'm not saying you shouldn't have a branded app. I, you know, there there's a place and a time and a value uh, to that. Um, but in addition to that, you know, find ways to tie, you know, to to to, to build audience, right? By leveraging existing, you know, uh, apps that are out there that have huge user user bases, because you're never going to get. I don't care million what retailer you are. You're not going to get 150 million people to download your app. It's and not going to happen. But we talked about this. Last thing is that the segmentation is that if I have downloaded your app, I'm a much more loyal, committed customer than the, the than whatever it is that the beacon sends out. That is just the technology. Right. But the offer or whatever it is, the messaging is different because I'm in your app versus in SnipSnap or somebody else's app. Yeah, but you got to do both. I know you do. 
Absolutely, but yeah, you know, I just think that you know, from a loyalty standpoint, there, there, there's your division right now. You can do right now. I'm in the HBC app or I'm in SnipSnap. Something different happens yeah. between those messaging. And, yes, and agreed. I, I just agreed. The experience needs to be different. Oh man, it's so big, and that's what I love about it. I love, I love this Beacon world. Yes. I'm gonna hate it in like six months because all we're talking about is beacons. But uh, now you want to talk about loyal customers? Loyal Let's customers. Like Fuelbox. Nike. What? I, like this? This to me is a. Uh, is monumental like this is this is uh, you know within the context of nike this is loyal customer base this is an affront or a challenge on currency man that's why it's so big to me this is not about fitness this is not about anything but a a a, uh, a type of currency that nike is giving to you that you earn and the currency is physical fitness right so this is exactly the future of currency between inside of a brand so you can see this in a silo is that all nike products i have my nike um shoes that tie into my nike runner my my you know the running uh, software that i have and i get benefit as a result of that when every step that i take it's like earning a penny right it's a loyalty program yeah. and it's a currency and then i can redeem it at these boxes for hard goods that to me is a signal of things to come when it comes to currency to dollars i, I completely agree we we talked um I don't know, maybe a month ago now about Weight Watchers project in uh, in the UK, right? Right. In a similar Absolutely. way, I mean, you know, they set up a pop up restaurant. The entire menu made up of Weight Watchers product. You sit down, you eat a meal, you take photos of that meal and post it to the Weight Watchers Instagram account. And if you do that, your meal is free. Wicked, right? So we all have something that we can do. Like we all have a currency there that brands have the ability to take advantage of. Yes. Whether it's Nike saying, look, you know. The more physical activity you do with with our fuel band, and the more hard goods you're going to get out of a vending machine, or you know, come and eat here and post that. We'll use your your social weight on, on Twitter or Instagram, you know, and we'll we'll give you value for that. As in, you can have a free meal, you know, whatever it is. Um, I'm completely with you, Rob. I mean, like th this is the Big. future. This this is how we're going to buy and, and consume things, right? That you know, you know, hard cash is 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 not all it's about, right? And when we talk about mobile payments, my frustration with mobile payments is, you know, you know, and, and wallets, I guess, in particular, you know, things like Google Wallet are useless to me, right? Because at the end of the day. You know, the wallet I have in my pocket today works pretty well. It does exactly the same thing that Google Wallet does. But the minute you can tell me that Google Wallet's tracking, you know, my moves, uh, you know, my location, it's tracking what I buy, it's tracking what I eat, it's, you know, whatever. You know, when we talk about Apple's health book that we talked about a while back, wait till the freaking Apple iWatch comes out or whatever that's going to be called. I guarantee you it's going to do all of this stuff and it's going to let you do, you know, redeem things and buy things with it. Um, this is where it's all going. It makes sense. It makes sense because what we're worried about here, I mean, it also signals a huge shift. If I'm if I'm like a retailer, like a traditional retailer, like Best Buy or something like that, this this I'm starting to get nervous now because I'm going direct to my consumer, my customer. Mm -hmm. I don't have to go into your store. You're no longer exactly. just a roof, right? I but, don't even need you. But see, it's the dream of the CPG, right? Yeah. The CPG has always said, look, you know, we've been held hostage. Yeah. Right by the retailer, the it's restaurant done. chain, it's over. It's over. the bar owner, the whatever, Cash, depending on what payment terms, is. systems, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we've been held hostage because you know that that that, that retailer owns the sort of the you know the last mile to the consumer in terms yeah. of the conversation and the ability to influence what they buy Crazy. in store 
or in the restaurant or what have you. And now we can we can just we can go right around them, right? We can we can throw this out there and say, look, you you know, come stick your fuel band in here and come get some free stuff. Like that's I love crazy. It. That's crazy. And you think about the implications. Like at some point, you know, think about the restaurants that you go to. You order bottles of wine. They're brands inside of a big brand, right? But you don't order your steak. You don't say, I want a steak yeah. from this place. And you don't say, I want shrimp from this coast. I don't sa salmon from this coast. Mm. I don't want potatoes from PEI, right? You don't, you don't ask that. You just accept. But I wonder if this just opens up the world to say, listen, you know what? I want, because you can influence as a brand, a steak company, I want that steak. I don't want yep. this one. I want that one while I'm sitting here. And I think that the shift in retail is monumental. And and it starts here with this vertical loyalty play that's that that these guys are doing, right? That I'm 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 you know a loyal Sony guy. I have a whatever, I have a Fitbit, I have a Fitband, I have a fuel band or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. But I am completely, it's the same thing with Under Armour, right? You see guys in the gym decked out in Under Armour and anything that they put out they buy. And I think that there's opportunity for these retailers to bring, suck that loyalty in and extend the relationship deeper down the way that, uh, that these guys have done. I just, Nike's doing such a great job with this. And I think that everybody should be looking at this because currency changes. It's not because of Bitcoin. It's because of loyalty, man. This is, and, and all the loyalty plays like Aeroplan, all those guys, they get it. They understand this, right? That's why you can, you can get air miles in the liquor stores, right? Um, so I, I'm I'm blown away by by what Nike's doing with the fuel box, and and you got to think that every other company out there is doing the same thing. It's got to be thinking the same thing. There you go. That's why it's so big. Hopefully that was worth the wait. This week in location-based marketing, there's nothing better. Nothing better. It's a big brand. Support the damn thing. Unfortunately, we don't take uh, you know Nike uh, miles. We take cold hard cash. But we do. we'll be very loyal to you. If you do that to us. All right, let's finish off with the uh, resource of the week, Asif, and then I got to get out of here. Going on vacation. Yeah, so uh, a little infographic that came out this week. Uh, it was put together by uh, RetailCustomerExperience.com uh, um, and uh, a group called Pyrim Technologies. Uh, that's P-Y-R-I-M.com. Uh, I'll put this together. By the way, this will be available up on the LBMA site under the research tab. You can uh, you can download it there. But it basically does a, a contrast between... Uh, BLE uh, technologies, Bluetooth Low Energy, and NFC. Uh, and it's around the future of mobile customer engagement and kind of just talks about, you know, the the range of these technologies, you know, how they differ in terms of, you know, the communications protocols. And it's just literally a side-by-side -side comparison. Uh, you know, BLE supports iOS, Android, Windows, and BlackBerry, whereas uh, NFC only supports uh, Android's, uh, Android, Windows, uh, and BlackBerry doesn't support, obviously, iPhone doesn't support NFC. So it's kind of, like, it just kind of goes through and kind of looks at all the different pieces to this uh, around OS and protocols and what platforms support them. It looks at the user experience of how you engage with BLE, how you engage with NFC, um, and, and how location uh, plays into that. So, you know, with BLE, for example, it says that it, it measures uh, signal strength of BLE as received by the BLE enabled smartphone. Uh, it's close, uh, near, and far, whereas with um, with NFC, it says a consumer's location can be ascertained if they engage with a unique tag that is affixed to a stationary object. So very different approaches yeah. in terms of how they how they look at proximity and location in that context. It talks about energy, it talks about privacy, it talks about security, uh, and the price points around this. Uh, price points are really interesting because uh, BLE right now twenty to thirty five dollars per beacon. Right, we've been talking about beacons all day on the show. 
uh, versus NFC about 10 cents to 60 cents per tag. So huge price differences there. Um, but you know, obviously, one seems to be getting a lot more attention than the other. So check it out. It's a really, really, really well uh, simple put together infographic. BLE versus NFC available on the lbma.com forward slash research. Awesome. Ten stories, one guest, three deep dives, and a resource of the week all in one tiny little package. You can't get that kind of stuff anywhere. That is value for your dollar. And that is episode number 193. Asif, I'm going to be gone. But next week, we're going to be doing some kind of show without the high production quality you guys have learned to expect because I'll be on the road. We're going to get a show done while I'm in uh, somewhere, probably in PEI, uh, on vacation with my family as we tour around the Maritimes. So we will be back. Live from a red sand beach. Live from something, that's for sure. But we will be back for episode number one, for episode number 194 next week. Please, 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 please tune back in. Safe, safe travels, my friend. We'll see you all next week. All right. See you later, everybody.